Hey, all you Theosciples! I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at GCTNetwork.com. Your Great Commission Transmission. It's the Theonauts. Episode 168. The one where, could it be Satan? The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theodemoniacs out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The Theodemoniacs! Dude! What? It's nice to see you. Yes! Of course, I'm living with you. (laughs) But it's also nice to see you. It's nice to be. Did you hear me snoring? Back on the on the mics. No, I have the I have like two sound machines going on in my room. (laughs) I'm oblivious to the outside world, drowning it all out. Yes, that's great. That's great. (laughs) What do you listen to on your sound machines? My, I've we have one that's in the in the room hooked up to the alarm clock, which does like uh, white noise. Well, it's like. I think it's rain supposed to be. But oh yeah. Anyway, it's more white noise than anything. Sure. And then on my phone, which actually does the waking me up, uh-huh. uh, it lays on the bed because it does this weird. It's a cool little app that it's it vibrates first and it slowly gets louder so that it wakes you up softly. You don't get this. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Definitely. So anyway, but it has a sound machine in it too Neat. while it's going. And dig this, I'm the biggest geek in the world. Yeah, so, I, I knew that already. Okay, so <laughs> um, Ridley Scott's Alien, okay? Yeah. It's it's very, like there's all kinds of ambient noise in that movie, like this calming, like on the spaceship, there's just like this hum, like, <laughs> like that yeah. as this goes on. Anyway, sure. and they use the same sound in Blade Runner, which is also a Ridley Scott movie. Right. So I found that, that, sound. that audio sound and put it on a loop and that's my sound machine oh my it's gosh. like it's it's the calming spaceship sounds of the USS Nostromo <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that it's coming from aliens that's not too calm alien the first movie sorry alien yeah yeah my bad alien yeah which is i mean it's it's I wouldn't say it was a calming movie, but it is a <laughs> ambient movie. Like there's sure, all there's this, a lot of ambient sounds. Yeah, in that. yeah. So it's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> what about you? Do you have a sound machine or anything? Uh, no. Just Although, the sound of your CPAP machine. Okay, so I do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I kind of feel like Darth Vader when I'm going to sleep. But uh, Blakely's. I've gotten used to Blakely's. Uh, um, she has a sound machine. Okay, and so we have her on a monitor in our room, right? Mm-hmm. And so I hear her sound machine. Oh, so that's nice. vicariously it's white noise, yeah, it's vicarious. <laughs> it's great. It drowns everything out. But you know, so anyways, yeah, I'm staying with you for a couple of days because I'm moving out. Uh, we're we're moving to another house, which mm-hmm. is not ready for us yet. So we, you know, said, hey, 
we're crashing with you. Yeah. Congratulations. So yeah, it's been the Theonauts episodes have been slow coming. We are sorry about that. <laughs> really has, sorry. We feel bad, but man, it has been one crazy summer um, <laughs> of craziness. And I mean, we've we've both got all kinds of stuff going on. It just feels like we're not and, getting into it yet, and so are getting back into a groove like a. Normal. And and you're you know started this new position at, yeah. at your school, and then you've got um, you're moving yes. like as you just mentioned, right. which was a fun weekend. We were both completely exhausted. I can't hardly move my hands. <laughs> my bicep is about to kill me because I lifted a piano today, with one arm. Today I called David and I'm like, hey, come on over to the house because I got to move this table, and I couldn't even lift it off the floor, man. I'm telling you, that's how <laughs> this thin like, little yeah. I'm just. <laughs> We've been moving so pianos old. and everything else, <laughs> and we can't even move this little bitty kitchen table today. It, it was, was like, tough. Oh. It was tough. What a day! Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, but, but I did have fun. I made fun of it. Yeah, I, mean, I had fun. I had fun in it. Yeah, he shot an arrow at one of my my boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's, that's the kind of friend David is. He'll find a bow and arrow and shoot an arrow in one of your boxes. <laughs> hey. Didn't damage anything. All He's I got to say, it was a good shot. It was, was a really good shot. I was standing at the road. And, and he shot back towards the house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, my gosh. Uh, I asked Dylan, well, I pulled up back the bow. Mm-hmm. I'd notched an arrow. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And Dylan, and, and I said, what's in that Lucky Charms box over there? And Dylan was like, doesn't matter. You can't hit it. <laughs> so i just had to release Boom. <laughs> wow shouldn't have said you can't hit it nobody should ever tell you, you can't do anything <laughs> you're gonna do it so yeah Anyways, i'm sorry for shooting your stuff so should we get into this uh hell of a topic ah yes <laughs> let's do that i gotta know i gotta that. remember where my buttons are oh here it is <laughs> We're a little early for Halloween. We are, but this was a request. We have a lot of requests, by the way. We're gonna get to that's for- true. We're gonna get to forgiveness soon, which is one of the reasons why we feel really bad, right? That we're getting we're so slow getting these out. People are actually like, "Where are y'all at?" You know, Sam Bobo's <laughs> Facebook message to me. You're still <laughs> doing the Theo knots? <laughs> yes, we're still doing Theo knots. Sorry for the yeah. Delay. So anyway, so we have a lot of special requests we're getting to, but this one. Um, is one that that's very interesting, and since it's you know technically October starting tomorrow, and it's an it's a curious topic, uh, we're going to talk about demons dun, dun, dun! today. So the first thing that I guess well, I'm here to tell you that each and every time you spoon into a bowl of Lucky Charms, you might as well be partaking of Lucifer's sacrament. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. With that, a bow and arrow. With a bow and arrow. Oh my gosh. So, uh, the first thing we need to do is is answer the question: Are demons real? Because pop culture is so demon fanatic, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, the number one horror movie in movies and uh, the theaters right now is The, the Nun, Nun, which is all about de- demonic possession. Mm-hmm. Um, the number number one, one of the number one 
horror movies of all time, The Exorcist. Yeah. It is a huge, you know, it's almost like any other kind of the movie. The Exorcist monster messed nowadays. me up the first time I saw that. Did I it? I was like really young. I was like, oh. Yeah, I can't believe my parents must not have known that I was watching that. I mean, I was like a kid, like a little kid, when I saw that movie. <laughs> totally. That explains so much. <laughs> totally you know, when I watched that movie, I was in college. Yeah. Quick story, real quick. I'm in college with a whole bunch of uh, college buddies, and we're staying in this all. We lived in this house, this old house, right mm-hmm. off campus together. It's like 10 of us. Half of us were studying to become pastors, and uh, so the it was winter, and they had shut down the university because it was it iced over. Mm-hmm. So we're down in the basement in in my room, and we decided to watch The Exorcist. So we're watching it, and there's all these guys in there, and the part where she crawls down the stairs, yeah, yeah, uh, we have a power failure. Everything just goes black. <laughs> I've never heard so many grown men <laughs> scream like little girls in my entire life. It was amazing. But yeah, I had nightmares from that movie, too. It was creepy, man. It's totally yeah. creepy. And, you know, uh, a lot of people don't know that was actually based on a true story of a, mm-hmm. um, a true exorcism in St. Louis, Missouri. It was a little boy. It wasn't a girl. And it was done at a hospital, not at not at home. But a lot of the a lot of the things that the, the demon said and stuff... Or actually, you can actually go and listen to audio mm-hmm. transcripts of that exorcism if you want to find them <laughs> online and get yourself creeped out. So yeah. there you go. Anyways, so that being said, pop culture, demons are everywhere. And we usually imagine, when I say demon, we usually imagine this little creature with pointed, you know, like the yeah. devil. Like or Linda Blair. Or Linda Blair, one of those yeah. two. And so are they real, David? Oh, so you're just going to throw that at me? You're just going to toss that across the Absolutely. Have well, obviously, demons are real. They're all over the Bible. Uh, exactly. So, so we're, we're going from a biblical standpoint, then you cannot deny the existence of demons. And it's not like demons suddenly stopped being real after the Bible was written. Yeah. They're very real today. Satan and the, demons the, are very the, real. Probably the more pressing question is, are demons active? That's a good question. Today. So are they still possessing possessing people? Or right. what about exorcism? Is that still a viable thing? How do you do it? What's going on? Right. I mean, there's all kinds of questions around this. And obviously we're not going to answer any of that stuff exactly. very, very well. But so okay. Uh I love C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screw Tape Letters. And oh, if you haven't yes. read that, read it. It's amazing. My favorite book of his. We've done some uh, screw tape parody mm-hmm. before. You've a couple been, of years ago. Oh, yeah, oh it was go, a long time. Yeah, go ago. back and listen to that. that was in fun. the archives. But uh, this is a chapter from uh, Screw Tape. And Screw Tape is a demon who's writing to his nephew, Wormwood, about how to torment this guy. And he answers this question, and I think this is a perfect way to start this story, or this you know podcast because it really gets to what I believe is the issue today with, with demons. So here we go. I'm going to read it real fast. It says, My dear Wormwood, I wonder you should ask me whether it is essential to keep the patient in ignorance of your own existence. That question, at least for the present phase of the struggle, has been answered for us by the high command. Our policy, for the moment, is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We are really faced with a cruel dilemma. 
When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of direct terrorism and we make no magicians. On the other hand, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists and skeptics. At least, not yet. I have great hopes that we shall learn in due time how to emotionalize and mythologize their science to such an extent that what is, in effect, belief in us, though not under that name, will creep in while the human mind remains closed to belief in the enemy. The life force, quote-unquote, the worship of sex, and some aspects of psychoanalysis may here prove useful. If once we can uh, produce our perfect work, the materialist magician, the man, not using but verbally worshipping what he vaguely calls forces while denying the existence of spirits, then the end of the war will be in sight. But in the meantime, we must obey our orders. I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. The fact that devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade (laughs) him that since he cannot believe in that, it is an old textbook method of confusing them, he therefore cannot believe in you. Yeah, that's great. So along those lines, that's, uh, you know, I, and I meant to pull out this book too, but I uh, didn't have time to go through it. But I have, I'd recently bought a very nice leather bound copy of, Screw tape? Uh, no, of oh. Dante's divine, divine Comedy, which oh, includes yeah, yeah. Inferno. Inferno. Um, and because I think a lot of what, what, C.S. Lewis described here the red tights, the you sure. know, pointy tail, and the I mean, those are images that are that were created by Dante, right? Not necessarily, you know, a, a realistic thing. And yeah. because they become farcical, they're they they become unbelievable, right? And silly and that sort of thing. Uh, however, Christians of the past, uh, before all, all of this, um, didn't see it as a funny thing. Right. Didn't see it. Didn't take it lightly. And uh, so, uh, let's talk a little bit about what demons are. Okay. And what they're not. So if we if we just go by all the examples we have in Scripture of demons, they're not the same as angels. And often you hear them looped together: right. demons and angels. Um, angels are consistently corporeal. They've got bodies. Right. right, so they show up, and it, sometimes it'll even say, "And then he saw a man, like you know, a physical person." So we know that angels are uh, physical, right? And they they have bodies, and certain types of angels, the seraphim, the cherubim, have wings, as described in the in the scriptures. So, um, so you have these winged beings that are um, physical. And those are angels. However, when it talk when the scriptures talk about demons, they're never on their own in physical form. Right. Right. You never see like some pointy-tailed uh, winged beast or anything like this called a demon. Sure. However, in movies, this is traditionally what you see. This right. is a demon and it's a, it's a monster, you know, or whatever. But the in, Jersey Devil. In the scriptures, demons are spirits. They have no bodies. In fact, that's part of their issue. 
is that they're in search, they're in, in constant desire to inhabit. have a body, mm-hmm. to be to inhabit a body. And that is why, or one of the reasons why, uh, demon possession is such a thing. So um, le- if we look back to the writings of, of old uh, of uh, Christians dating back to, say, 100, 200 A.D., we can we can get a a, a, a better picture of what they believed, and th- there many of them were uh, Jews, and so from their Jewish history, they they had a very strong opinion based on some what we would call extra biblical books, but they're good historical the book Jewish books. Book of Enoch is one of them, mm-hmm. um, and they would they leaned on these concepts as to where demons came from and what their point is. So to kind of sum up what they believed in reference to this, um, and we've talked about this on the show before, but in Genesis 6, there's this big weird story about angels falling from heaven, evil angels, fallen angels, whatever. They come down, they're enamored with uh, the women of the world, the human women, and so they take them and they mate with them and they produce giants and that weird passage about the Nephilim. There's giants in the lamb. Yeah, Nephilim being the original Hebrew word, mm-hmm. which means the fallen ones. And so these Nephilim, though, these these half breeds uh, were on the most part wiped out at the flood. Uh, this is one of the reasons for the flood, uh, according to, to most Jewish uh, rabbis and et cetera, et cetera. So um, what happened? The, the, here's the question. As a human, you have a soul, right? So whenever you pass, that soul has a destination. And um, angels are angelic beings that transcend both our world and another world. So what happens to a crossbreed of that? What, where's, where is a Nephilim, a, a Nephilim soul? Gonna uh, go. Where is it going to go? And the, the standard belief was then... It has nowhere to go. It it wanders loose and constantly desiring to inhabit a body again. And so this is is where um, uh, the uh, ancient Jews and early Christians all believed pretty uh, pretty standardly across the board where this is what demons were. This is where they came from. By the way, this is very very different than probably what you heard in Sunday school. Just throwing that out there. Um, you probably heard demons, fallen angels, mm-hmm. right? And in a, in a way they are, right? They're, they're fallen angels, but... Or the offspring of... The offspring of fallen, fallen angels. angels. Yeah. yeah. So, like, because the fallen angels would have been just like any other angels. They've got uh, bodies. Right. And... Uh, according to the extra biblical works, like e- the Book of Enoch, they were all chained and bound. So they're not the ones inhabiting humans. Okay, they're physically bound in the abuso or the uh, the bottomless pit, except for Satan. And well, yeah, but he's yes, he, the, the ones that fell and 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 committed all these crimes with the human women. Those were the ones that were chained. Mm-hmm. And there's references, Peter even references this in the Peter letters, you know, where he talks about uh, the angels that left their first estate and are bound into the, right. the uh, in hell until judgment, the word hell mean, coming from Tartarus, 
which means the bottomless pit. Right. So he's referencing this material. Jude references this material as sure. well, same thing. Um, and if we look at uh, Justin Martyr, he was an early Christian, lived, and he wrote this in 160 uh, A.D. Angels transgressed disappointment and were captivated by the love of women, and they begat children who are those who are now called demons. And then, let's see, uh, Athenagoras, it wrote in 175 A.D., these angels then who have fallen from heaven and haunt the air and the earth are no longer able to rise to heavenly things, and the souls of the giants who are the demons who wander the world perform similar actions. Uh, Tertullian uh, mentioned this, and this, this is uh, something you said you were going to talk about as well. Philosophers acknowledge that there are demons. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Um, here is uh, Commodianus. Uh, he wrote in 240 A.D., uh, from the seed of fallen angels and women, giants are said to have been born, and by them arts were made known in the earth, and they taught the dying of wool and everything that is done. Yet they died, men erected images to them, and yet because they were of an evil seed, the Almighty did not approve of their being brought back from death when they had died, and for that reason they wander, and they now subvert many bodies." And it is these whom you pagans presently worship and pray to as gods. So this brings up another interesting thing about demons, <clears throat> is that demons uh, name themselves. Right. They, they inhabit people, they name themselves, and they actually end up being worshipped in many cases. And uh, according to uh, these early Christians and uh, uh, ancient Jews as well, a lot of the... Uh, the, the, the gods, the Sumerian gods, the Greek gods, the Roman gods, these are all uh, demons sure. that have been named and now are being worshipped in some way, in form or fashion. Um, and there's several more passages here that, that, uh, that talk about, um, uh, in 304 AD, a guy by the name of uh, uh, Lactantius wrote, uh, when they are adjured, most the, those most wicked, wicked spirits confess that they are demons. Yet, when they are worshipped, they falsely say they are gods, gods in order to lead men into error. So you, you have good examples of like Molech uh, is a a huge example of this, right? Yes. In Leviticus, you have, you have the story that they they would actually offer child, child sacrifices mm-hmm. to Molech, which is an abomination to God. Um, Solomon actually built high places uh, for Molech. Um, and this is this is demonic worship is yes. what it is it's it's the worship of 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 a demon um man you have so many and we know by example um we're going to look at one here in a little bit but uh, like one time a uh, uh, a horde of demons actually inside of a of a, of a sure. person named himself legion for right. we are many and so and that was in a direct uh, confrontation with Jesus. Right. So we see that this is, you know, echoed in Scripture that these these demons name themselves and they uh, they try to make a name for themselves. Sure, sure. <clears throat> so um, if, as you as you fast forward a little bit um, in in history uh, to the time of Jesus, you see um, demons pretty much 
the two major things you see them doing. Number one, uh, possession, right? Right. They're possessing. And number two, they're oppressing. Yes. Their goal is to oppress uh, followers or to, to, to hurt followers. Mm-hmm. And so um, that, that's, their, that's their gameplay, um, especially you see this in the, the whole New Testament. Also, um, they strive. So a good example would be Ananias and Sapphira. If you want to use an example, there's a spirit of dissension mm-hmm. that uh, that caused them to lie to the church and lie to God, right? Um, Judas Iscariot uh, is another example of this, uh, where he was uh, led astray by demonic forces mm-hmm. in, in order to uh, try to sell Jesus right off, right? Um, and these are not uh, not isolated examples. You have Saul, even in the Old Testament, uh, uh, around right before David. Yes. This is, I think, the only case in the Old Testament of demonic possession, if you will, that we see um, directly. Yeah, there's uh, there's a few others, but it's but it's like God actually uses them to His advantage. Yes, it's interesting. Yeah, so you have Saul who's tormented. Uh, by demons mm-hmm. um, in the end, and, and David would play his lyre to soothe the the maddening demon inside <laughs> Saul. Um, so y- you have all these different pictures, but the main the main line through all of this is that demons oppress and they um, possess. Anyways, so so yeah, let's look at some examples uh, in scripture so we can see how th- this this all plays out. So. Uh, in Matthew 8, um, there's this popular story um, where Jesus is in uh, this boat, and they're in Galilee, and this big storm comes up, and everyone's afraid they're going to die, and Jesus calms the storm, right? Yeah. And um, anyway, they're headed across the sea. They get to this place, um, uh, the Gadarenes, and um, and so in in Verse 28 of Matthew 8, it says, And when they came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tomb, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What do you do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? And now a herd of pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. And so they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Mm. So all kinds of interesting things that we could unwrap in this. Um, So what are your initial thoughts of this story and how it, it... gives us some insight into demonology. So this is, I think, the classic one that people go to more than any other demon-possessed story. It's kind of the shocker, the whole legion. Mm-hmm. There are many of us. Um, so this is this is a classic example of possession. In, in this uh, particular, you're reading Matthew. Yes. It's two. In other uh, Gospels, there's one. It could have been two events or one event and the other guy was silent or whatever. Right. But either way you look at it, uh, this this man was obviously completely and utterly 
tormented naked uh, right. in other episodes. Yes. He's, I don't know if it said he was naked there, but he's naked. He's foaming at the mouth. He's rabid. Uh, he's hanging out in in a uh, cemetery. cemetery. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just a creepy story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when Jesus casts them out, they go into pigs, right? Uh, which is a huge... There's a lot of Jewish symbolism there. Right, uh, right. Because it's, that's the most disgusting animal to a Jewish person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're, they all go and they'd rather go into swine than go into anything else. And there's some, yeah, some things that, that we can maybe ascertain a little bit from this as well. First off, they're scared to death of Jesus. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. And that, that's going to come into play when oh, we, mo- most definitely, when we look into how uh, demons are to be handled and dealt with, but they're scared to death of Jesus. And uh, so they're begging him. Send us into these pigs. Now, one of the things that we see about these demons, we don't really hear a lot about animals being possessed by demons. Right. We hear about humans being possessed by demons, and there's probably a reason for that. Like, there's probably some benefit to being in a human versus being in an animal. Sure. But it seems like these demons were so desperate. They were like, I tell you what, just let's put us in the pigs, if, if nothing else. Please don't torment us and leave us without bodies. Right. Put us in these pigs. So it sounds like it's torment for them to be without a body, right. by the way. And so I always found it interesting that immediately the pigs run off into the sea and drown. Now, um, you might ask the question, did the why? Like why did the demons know that that was what was going to happen? I don't think so. Uh-uh. I don't think they knew what would happen. I think that this was probably a new experience, but they would rather take their chances in an animal than be disembodied. Right. And so uh, by going into the pigs, it drove the pigs mad enough that the demons had no choice and they were drowned into it. Um, sure. Which basically put them in the same boat of getting right. cast out anyway. Um, but anyway, I just think it's this. It, there's some very odd and interesting things here um, that happen in this story that give us an idea. For one, it tells us, uh, we can understand from this, that more than one demon can exist in one person sure um if there's a legion of them here um and so uh lots of interesting things um you want to look at another one um, sure let's look at um mark nine this is uh another one that i think is interesting because it gives us a little different perspective from uh different angles we're going to be talking about um casting out demons and some here. And so we have an example of a boy who has this unclean spirit demon. Um, and the disciples have a difficult time dealing with it. So it says here in Mark nine, verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked, what are you arguing about with them? This is Jesus. And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I have brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. 
And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and in the water to destroy him. But if you can, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. <laughs> Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, I believe. help my unbelief. Yes. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, <clears throat> come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he rose. And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, How can we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So the King James Version there, I believe, says fasting mm -hmm. and prayer. So another interesting story here about demons, and it gives us a little more insight that we didn't really get in the in the other one. Anything you pick up on this story? Um, let's see. There, There's a type, which is interesting, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so there, there needs to be a lot of prayer. Uh, I noticed that... What's easy for Jesus is not so much, not so easy for his followers. Obviously, the whole "I believe, please help my unbelief." It's that's awesome. That's I think this is the biggest takeaway for the story mm -hmm. is the i the idea of faith, right? Yes, to to have faith so much that demons tremble, right? Or mm -hmm. have faith so much that you believe that God's going to take care of that, that situation. And so <clears throat> I think that this is a big, um, a picture Jesus is giving us of, uh, us having faith in him to take care of our situations. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and also, uh, this kind of comes into play. The same point you make comes into play in some of these, um, uh, word of faith type of stuff, faith healing, you know, well, you weren't healed or you weren't cast out because your faith wasn't great enough, you know, that, that gets thrown around a lot. But this is an obvious example of a man whose faith wasn't strong enough. Right. And it, But here's the cool thing, and this is what I think is, is so awesome about the story in and of itself, demon set aside, the man is honest. Yeah. And he says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I'm not there. I can't get... I believe you. I believe who you are. But man, I wish I could believe more. Exactly. I wish I had a greater faith. Right. And I think that is the perfect place Jesus wants us all to be. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Right? And so it wasn't, this man didn't receive this gift because of it, necessarily because of his great faith, but because he acknowledged. He still his weak faith lacked faith, <laughs> but right. wanted it. Yeah, and uh, so I thought that that part was really cool. But sure. one of the insights here I get is also the fact that this is a mute demon. This one does not right. Um, this is this one doesn't express any argument to sure. Jesus. In fact, he just gets violent whenever he sees Jesus. He he throws the boy down. Um, 
And so, and Jesus even addresses him as you mute and dumb uh, demon. Demon. Mm-hmm. And, and basically drags him out of the boy. And um, another thing that I thought was, was interesting here is that he had been possessing this boy for since he was a, a young child. Sure. And um, the, uh, the symptoms that the boy expresses, and this is one of the things you often hear people say, and this will come into our discussion here in a little bit when we start talking about you know, more modern-day stuff. Um, a lot of people will say, well, this is obviously, if you read this, the boy has epilepsy. Right. And so epilepsy, you know, yeah, back then, you know, people didn't have doctors like we had. So they contributed to demons. And so, yeah, it was, so they called it a demon, you know. So you can look at this two ways. Some people will say, well, is epilepsy really then, you know, demon possession? (laughs) Or, and I think that it's a coincidence, in my opinion. I I think that this, I, I think epilepsy is a, Diagnosable brain disorders. Sure, it's not necessarily absolutely. Uh, it's not necessarily demonic, but in this case, this demon uh, ex- exemplified its presence in the boy. Those disorders with those with that same type of symptoms. Absolutely, and you know, if 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 uh, you have somebody in your household who's struggling with epileptic. Uh, seizures, struggling with schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia, struggling with all these different mental um, diseases and, and illnesses. Do not jump to demonic possession. Yeah, go to a doctor <laughs> and get it diagnosed. And we'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit because, um, again, this is all. I think the C.S. Lewis com- comes into play here. Uh, you can go, there are two extremes you can go. Mm-hmm. The first is absolute denial of demonic activity. The second one is every little thing is demonic. Is demonic. <laughs> yeah. And you cannot go to either extreme. If you do, you're not biblical mm-hmm. because that's not, <laughs> it doesn't show that in scripture. And so, um, Anyways, shall we? Well, well, the other thing in this story that I wanted to point out was the fact that the disciples had difficulty casting this particular demon out. Oh, most definitely, yeah. And and he attributes it to their uh, lack of faith and their lack of persistence, yeah, and prayer, and which tells me that they're not the ones empowered. Does that make sense? Right. So they're not the ones casting the demon out. Right, they are leaning on God to ta- to 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 cast the demon out. Yes, and, and that's why prayer was mentioned as being most needed here. So, and and I think it's important to note that it wasn't uh, Jesus is not the only person that cast out demons in Scripture. Correct. Um, there are more, and uh, I don't know if you have any more examples of of demonic possession. But I was yeah, gonna... I got several. But go ahead. Okay, I was going to jump to Acts 19. So Jesus' followers, even after uh, Jesus' ascension, yes. were casting out demons left and right. Um, Paul is a good example of this, and um, it's very interesting, verse 11. And the, the danger is you can take this way too far, and the charismatic um, movement of... of uh, well, it's it's closely associated with the prosperity gospel, but 
it predates it where they would they have people you know come in slay by the spirit all yeah that. slay by the spirit or cast out demons do the big tent revivals and do the holy ghost yeah. rolling stuff where uh, I don't know if you heard of the prayer cloth scandal in the eighties that was a big one where this guy would pray over a, a cloth and then mail it to you right 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 well it comes right from here but anyways uh, Acts chapter nineteen verse eleven God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits also went out. Right. Uh, And your point about it's not the people doing it. It's G it's, it's God doing it through the the people. So these Paul is doing this. He's going around doing this. The chapter before, he cast out, I love that story, he cast out the demon in the girl who was following around and mocking him. Yes. And she was fortune teller, and she was a slave owned by these people, and mm-hmm. he got in hot water because he cast out the demon. They got on arrested. A, yeah. Right, they got arrested yeah. for it. Because he cast out a demon on a whim. Like, uh-huh. he just turned around, and he's we make so much big deal out of this demonic for, like, his spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. Paul's walking around going, Get out of her. Just stop. <laughs> like, quit. Uh, Luther had this great quote. Is, if uh, if demons won't leave you alone from reading scripture, mock him. Because, like, demons yeah, can't stand. Because the last thing they want is scorn, yeah. Right, scorn. Um, by the way, Luther was very adamant believe, believer in demonic problems. He believed that demons tortured and messed him, mess with him all the time. Well, right. He was leading a revolution. Yeah. Who he, who's the biggest target here? It's <laughs> Luther, so everybody's going to go after him. Satan's legions are going to go after him. And he he believed, I love this. He believed that one of his best ways is to uh fart basically. <laughs> uh to have flatulence and curse the demons as he was having flatulence. Yeah. And that would that would mess with them. Like, that was, I just love that. I mean, that's pretty demeaning for, right. for any demon. So, all right. All that to say, but also some of the Jewish exorcists, verse 13, who went from place to place, attempted uh, to name over those who had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you uh, by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish priest, chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them and subdued them all, (laughs) overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So, got their tail kicked. Exactly. It's not... It's a demon beat down. Yes, and it's not... Uh, this is a perfect picture of the fact that it's not just saying a name. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's belief in God. Right. And number two, uh, it's his work, mm-hmm. period. That's all it is. Yes. And, uh, and these people, these seven sons of one Sceva, did not did not believe in Jesus, even though they were shouting his name to try to drive out demons. Anyways, so what were you saying? Um, what was I saying? I don't know. Um, one of the things I wanted to, to look at here was then, so we see the example of, of demonic uh, activity in Jesus' time. We see mm-hmm. them 
post-resurrection. We see them in the uh, first century. Um, obviously, the guys in this book that I was reading from, they all experienced and, sure. and uh, wrote about it as well. Uh, so the question then becomes, uh, what about today? Right. Is is demonic activity working the same way today? Are people still being possessed? Is it just uh, fodder for horror movies? <laughs> or, uh, you know, is it superstition? Is it mental illness? I mean, we've talked about that right. a little bit. But uh, so... What what is what do you think about uh, demonic possession here in the 21st century? Okay, so here's what I believe: Satan is a great strategist, an evil strategist. One of his best strategies is to convince you that he doesn't exist, mm-hmm. to make you materialistic, and that's what the world that we currently live in in the United States. That's what we are: we're materialists, we're scientific, we're reasonists. We believe in our medicine. We believe in our science. We believe in our our stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't believe in spooky fairy tales. And so Satan has made it so that he is nothing more than a fairy tale. Right. And if he's nothing more than a fairy tale, guess who else is nothing mm-hmm. more than a fairy tale? Right. God. And so um, I think that that is his strategy in today's atmosphere, in, in our neck of the word, mm-hmm. woods, but I also think it depends on where you live. Yeah, um, what what culture you're a part of, um, and so like you were talking about Haiti. Mm-hmm. If you want to share a little bit about that, yeah. So, oh, I agree with you 100. percent Like that's exactly where I come from on this. Uh, talking about here in America, I think that the big thing, and I'm not saying that there's not demonic activity, but the means to the end are different. Right. Like why he doesn't need to, to spook us into, into being uh, sinful and to moving away from God. Like right. we got that handled. Right. Like, well, and here's, here's his goal. His goal is not, his goal is to make us worship anything but God. Right. Right. And so if we're worshiping materialistic stuff here, mm-hmm. why would he try to make us worship him? Right. <laughs> and if these things really are what the uh, what the original Christians and Jews believed them to be, there's a finite number of them. This sure. isn't like an there's not an infinite oh, number of them, very right? True. So where are they going to go? Uh who are they going to possess? Who are they going They're going to go where the path of least resistance, right? Right. And so I do want to talk about Haiti a little bit because Haiti I've experienced things in Haiti I don't experience here in America uh, from a very uh, strange and different, and especially the past couple of times I've been there, uh, the, the the people there have been more open to me about demonic things than they were early on. Yeah. It's almost like, hey, let's be cool with these American Christians and because we don't want to scare them away. We want them to be our friends. We want them to help. We want them to feel welcome here, et cetera, et cetera. But now that I've gotten to become really good friends with them, they're very frank with me. Sure. And they've told me a lot of things that I was not uh, savvy to when we first started. One of those being, and I knew this, this the fact that um, before 2010, uh, before the earthquake, uh, Haiti was primarily a voodoo nation, mm-hmm. 80%. Of uh, of Haitians were into voodoo, um, leaving uh, about ten percent Christian, ten percent non affiliated at all. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the flip. The script has been flipped since then. There was so much Christian uh, outpouring into that nation because of the that earthquake <coughs> that now, like uh, it's like eighty percent Christian. 
Sure. And the voodoo priests are just floundering. They're just having a really hard time. And so they've stepped up their game. They're trying to they're trying to do whatever they can to get back into the into this. Now the way this all works, and the way even some Christians over there are, is if they don't get the answers from God that they're expecting, they'll go back to voodoo. Like there's a because it works right. For so them. right. So there's this and and so uh, voodoo is um, is they attribute a lot of the workings of voodoo to demons. Like that's right. And even the 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 priests admit this. The people believe this. The Christians there for sure believe this. Like this is not. It, you start talking to a Christian, they will tell you over there that we war against the demons. Mm-hmm. That's what we are part of our job. Sure. Is to war against the demonic influence in this nation. And I have seen things I cannot explain. Um, uh, we met a woman who was pregnant who um, was barely, well, she was showing, but she was so malnourished that it was, it, she didn't look pregnant except for you could see her belly had a, a baby in it, if that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, most sure. healthy pregnant women are going to be, you know, right. very, very uh, glow, you know, the mm-hmm. whole glow thing. <laughs> and this woman was, she looked very malnourished and we prayed for her and she conveyed this story that uh, a demon is threatening her and uh, that there was a curse put on her, a voodoo curse put on her, and that sometimes the baby goes away. And the baby's just not there. And there were Christian witnesses there saying, that's true. Her stomach goes as flat as possible. There's no baby there anymore. And then it'll come back. So, whoa, yeah, there's just really weird things like that. And I know a lot of listeners are going to be very skeptical and, and whatever, but there are just some things we just cannot explain. Right. And, um, and we have seen enough of it to know that there is something going on here, sure, and I believe that it it has a, a demonic um, uh, side to it. Right now, the thing is, because people are so susceptible to believing in the voodoo and to accepting the voodoo as a positive thing, sure, where do you think these demons are going to go work? Oh yeah, they're going to go to work in a place where it is going to benefit them. Sure. And so I do believe that demonic activity is happening. Uh, I talked to one um, to, to one pastor who uh, who is actually exercised uh, demons there, and uh, claimed. Now this is a Christian pastor claimed that this lady levitated off the floor. <laughs> so it's so hard to when you see the spirit work in these people. It is really hard to deny oh, yeah. their faith or that this is just a, a scam or anything that we might try to attribute to it or their line for attention. There's just too much of it. And so I do think it's active. I do think that it's happening. However, one of the things I think that we need to try and ascertain is um, what is it that defeats these demons? And I think we've already seen a lot of it. Because uh, another question that could come up is, um, are Christians can, are susceptible to demonic possession? Right. And, so uh, before we hit that one, which I have a couple huge deals, um, I, I found a really interesting article, and I'd heard about this guy before. Um, this is from the Washington Post. 
So it's it's not like a fake news site. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Richard Gallagher, who's the psychiatrist here. Um, the title of the article is, As a psychiatrist, I diagnose mental illness. Also, I help spot demonic possession. Mm. It's pretty crazy, and I'll just read you a little blurb from it. It says, Since the late 1980s, I was introduced to a self-styled satanic high priestess. She called herself a witch and dressed the part with flowing dark clothes and black eye shadow around her temples. In our many discussions, she also acknowledged worshiping Satan as his quote-unquote queen. I'm a man of science and a lover of history. After studying the classics at Princeton, I trained in psychiatry at Yale and in psychoanalysis at Columbia. That background is why a Catholic priest asked my professional opinion, which I offered pro bono, about whether this woman was suffering from a mental disorder. This is what the height of the national panic about Satan. This was at the height of the national panic about Satanism. Um, So I was inclined to skepticism. But my subject's behavior exceeded what I could explain with my training. She could tell some people their secret weakness, such as undue pride. She knew how individuals she'd never known had died, including my mother and her fatal cause of a, a case of ovarian cancer. Six people later vouched to me that during her exorcisms, they heard her speak multiple languages, including Latin, completely unfamiliar to her outside of her trances. This was not psychosis. It is what I can only describe as paranormal ability. I conclude that she was. I concluded that she was possessed. Much later, she permitted me to tell her story. Um, so, this is from a Hale, uh, a Yale uh, psychiatrist and professor, right? Who actually believes in demonic possession. And shares his own experience and is mm-hmm. bold enough to say there are some things that our science and our psychiatry cannot diagnose. Yeah. And some of them are paranormal. Mm. And on those, you know, I can, he says, I consult uh, exorcists. I, I, I call people to come drive out demons. Yeah. Wow. Because of that. And so, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's, it's much more real than we give it credit. Mm-hmm. Well, especially think, here in our Western culture. I think in the dawn of the Enlightenment and then the moving past of science, mm-hmm. we've put them in the realm of, of myth. Right. And they're not really myth. And so when something happens like this that we can't explain, we're going to try our science mm. to explain it as much as we can. But when a psychiatrist, a Yale graduate psychiatrist says... Oh, there's things you can't explain. You got to go, hmm, maybe there are. Um, <laughs> anyways, and so if demonic possession is real, can Christians be possessed? Yeah. So this is an interesting question, and um, a lot of what I have anyway, I, I firmly believe this, but it is an interpretation on my part. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to put two things together. The Bible doesn't clearly but, come out and state that. Correct. Yeah. But I want to look at something that uh, Jesus says in a parable, um, going back into Matthew 12. Um, he says, when, an, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Okay, so first off, Jesus is kind of affirming that uh, these demons are searching for hosts. 
that they they pass through waterless places seeking rest. Why why waterless? Do you that's think? a good that's a good question. Um, uh, maybe that has something to do with uh, with you know us being like we're like seventy percent water or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think it has to do with the flood. Well, it, it definitely could. If if the origin is what everyone is is speculating here, in then hmm, it's very interesting. It could be refer- reference to that. So he says, but they, they're seeking rest and they find none. Then it's then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the late state, the last state of that person is worse than the first, so also will it be with this evil generation. So Jesus is not even really giving us a dissertation on spirits. He's giving us a dissertation on the evil of the generation, and he's giving them a par- he's comparing it to something that they would know about. Right. So apparently they this is like no new good no news for them. It's not new to them. They they would have taken Je- what Jesus is saying is like, oh yeah, that's right. But the point that he's trying to make is that once you cast a demon out of somebody and you've cleaned the place, uh, it's still susceptible yeah. to another host or to come in. And if he brings more people, hey, here's an empty, here's here's a, a place to go and brings friends and just party it up, <laughs> and it causes even more problems. Sure. But one of the things that um, that I found interesting here is that um, that the that these spirits are restrained by the Holy Spirit. So um, let's see. Let's look at First um, John four. So First John four is talking about um, another thing that that evil spirits do. Is they convince people of heresy and mm-hmm. and false doctrine. Most of these in John's reference, he's referencing Gnosticism, and he's using this as an example. But he says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God." This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And uh, so anyway, he's given them a lesson here in spotting false doctrine and using this basis of spirit says a way to do that. But the thing that I find interesting, he says, is the one who is, who is in you. So who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. He's inside of you as a Christian. So he's like, the one who's inside of you is greater than these spirits that are in the world. So if, if we combine these and look at uh, this in reference to what Matthew 12 is saying, the problem with the guy in, in Matthew 12, whenever the spirit's cast out, is his house is empty. Yeah. There's nothing in there. However, the Christian doesn't have an empty house. Right. The Christian has someone dwelling in that spot who is more powerful than any of the demons that are going about this earth causing problems. So this is just 
conjecture on my part, but based on what I re- what I read in these type of scriptures, I believe it would be next to impossible for a Christian to be possessed as long as the Holy Spirit's indwelling in them. I uh, yeah, and I I don't um, I just I don't see it biblically being possible either. It over and over again we read that he who's in Christ receives the Holy Spirit as mm-hmm. a seal for redemption. And the Holy Spirit is God incarnate inside you, right? Right. So do you think a demon is going to dwell anywhere where God incarnate inside you is dwelling? They can't even stand the, the sight of Jesus. Right. Jesus shows up, and they the one says, cast us in the pigs. The other says... Uh, nothing but freaks out and starts convulsing on the ground. Right. How in the world can they coexist in w- with him? They, they would not be able to. And um, in Romans eight, Romans eight talks about the spirit. Oh yeah, and about how the spirit works Romans in us. Eight nine. And yeah, and one of the things he says there at the end of Romans eight, he says, "For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers nor things present nor things to come yeah. nor powers." Nor right. height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, I think that uh, the answer is pretty clear. If he really is a Christian, I mean, right. there could be some false converts that may experience. I mean, just because you're going to church doesn't mean that you're sure. uh, protected from this. But I would think that that as a Christian, um, believers, true believers. Would have a really hard. I mean, I just don't think it would be able to to, to happen. It's not possible. Yeah. So, last but not least, it, so if, if demons are real, Satan uh, roars about like a roaring lion, right? And demonic oppression and demonic possession happens. How, as a Christian, are you to respond to these things? How can we combat this? I think uh, Ephesians six gives us this. So uh, laid out, basically. Uh, Paul's very, very serious about it. And starts in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and all of his strength and might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Mm. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against demonic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Right. Mm-hmm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in every uh, in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. So basically, the first thing Paul is doing is confirming that our battle is not against people, but against demonic forces manipulating those people. Right. Right. Our battle, if if we could peel back. Uh, reality and see what was going on here, we would mm-hmm. see a battle going on. And the reality is, is it's, it's a serious thing. Um, and it, it's a struggle. Yeah. So. And, and one of the things that, that I think that we might keep our eyes open about is that not always do, do we see these demons possessing people. Sometimes they just afflict. Right. And sometimes they just cause problems. And, if you are in a weak position, you could be vulnerable to oppression, if not, you know, you, not possession, but I'm talking about just some sort of oppression. And so 
Christians can be very vulnerable. To right, depression. because you are a target. You know, I mean, they may not want to indwell in you with that Holy Spirit, but they can certainly throw rocks from the Afflict outside. you, yeah. And and if you look at what that passage says there, it's like that's our that's our war. We are right. wrestling not against the flesh. We're wrestling against these principalities and powers, which is a common way in the vernacular of an idiom for demonic influences. Right. And um, and so, you know, I remember, oh man, one of the hardest seasons of my life. Um. I I made this frivolous challenge to Satan one time. I was just on fire, and I, you know, and I made this stupid challenge. I was like, "Give me all you got. I can take anything you can throw at me because I have the power of Jesus with me." And which was a bold statement, and I was feeling very full of the Spirit, you know. But I just will warn you now: be careful <laughs> for what you ask for, because that began with some of the hardest things I've ever dealt with in my entire life. And, you know, I prevailed through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Sure. But it didn't make it pleasant. <laughs> so um, we just have to make sure that we, um, we're we cognizant, you know, of, of what these things can do. That it is, don't take it too lightly. Like, don't give them, like you said, don't give them too much credit. But on the other hand... You know, don't don't take it lightly either. Right. Um, one of the things I find interesting here is um, Jesus at one point sends out seventy two uh, guys, and he sends them out. Um, and and it says here um, in Luke ten, he says, after this the Lord appointed seventy two others and sent them out ahead, two by two, in every town and and place where he himself was about to go. Now, first off, I want to make mention, this is not the apostles. This is other disciples. Right. You and I. I mean, we're just, it, these are just guys. Yeah. He appoints 72 people, sends them out in pairs, and sends them into the, all these places. And he basically is sending them out. He says, behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag or knapsack or sandals and, and greet no one on the road. And whatever house you enter first, say, peace be unto you. And, uh, of course, you know, he gives them all this instruction. When they come back, it's, it's kind of cool. It says there in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. <laughs> like, whoa, we experienced so many cool things. The right. demons fled from us because of you. Exactly. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And I think in, in a subtle way, your Jesus is saying, be careful, don't get too full of yourself. Here because you can get yourself into trouble. That's right. But he's saying, rejoice that you're with me in heaven. And as a side to as a side effect, yes, these demons are going to be subject. Yeah. Because they're subject to me and they Amen. will listen to what I say. So that doesn't necessarily mean dive off into a bunch of exorcism and craziness. Um, 
But don't be afraid. But yeah, then again, uh, be bold yeah. and proclaim Jesus as Lord. This is what they hate more than anything. That's right. Like this is what scares them. Like even the sight of him freaked them all out. Yeah. But, you know. Amen. Anything else? That's all I have on it. Awesome. So, what time is it? Oh, we've been at this a little over an hour. <laughs> so do you want to do you want to do some news or or do you want to look at uh, we have some voicemail? Yeah, let's look at our voicemail. All right. Okay. Voicemail. I probably just hurt everybody's ears like crazy. Okay, so um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not in control of volume. Voicemail. <laughs> and we actually do have voicemail. Yay. We got some email as well, which was good, and uh, some good feedback from you guys. Some of you didn't didn't want everything uh, read, read over the air, and that's great. Uh, so anyway, we want to at least play some of our voicemail. And uh, I found this very interesting that, uh, okay, the first voicemail is going to be coming from uh, Jack Neal. Yeah. From uh, Savoy, Texas here, who's now living in Annapolis, Annapolis as a midshipman with the Naval Academy. And uh, so he, uh, the thing I thought was really cool is that he called in um, at, on August 21st, 2.42 p.m. And what was funny was as he was calling... His mother called as well <laughs> from right here in Savoy. And so that's so cool because they, they had no idea that each other was calling the show. Wow. But they called within a minute of each other. That's crazy. So, uh, so let's listen to see what he has to say. Maybe. Hey, guys. This is Jack calling all the way from uh, Annapolis, Maryland to talk to you guys. I... Uh, I knew that y'all's voicemail box was a little dry lately, and I was just uh, <laughs> listening to the latest episode on a run, and I wanted to ask just a quick question. So uh, I think it was the part where y'all were talking about the parable of the wedding, and uh, David made the comment about the, uh, what was it, the guest um, getting a, a garment when they come in the building, and I thought that was really cool because I had never heard of that before. I just was wondering, like, where do you find those little tidbits of information or what do you have like a website that you like to use or something? Or is that just like random piece of knowledge that David knows and has known because he's super cool. So if you have any like resources about like in-depth, I don't know, studies or anything that you'd like to share, like feel free to send them my way. Cause I thought that was pretty neat. All right. Uh, see you guys looking forward to listening to the next few episodes. Bye. <laughs> that totally comes from the fact that I'm just cool. <laughs> Isn't that in the Bible? <laughs> like, doesn't it mention the they put on a? Um, I actually got it from. Um, this has been years ago. I got that from a book on manners and customs. Okay, and there's a bunch of those types of books yeah. out, by the way. Um, and I so it's been so long, Jack. I'm sorry, I can't remember the specific one that um, that I was looking at. But if you look up anything concerning Jewish weddings, like in ancient time, ancient Jewish weddings, 
it's actually really cool. Yeah, you'll get a plethora of information. The, and not only that, there's so much symbolism in a Jewish wedding that points mm, to, to Christ. Definitely. It's insane. Like, it'll help explain things like the the parable of the ten virgins. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- this Even Jesus himself, as he's getting ready to, to go to the cross, and he says, uh, fear not that... Um, uh, uh, I am going to prepare a place for you. And I will come back and receive you unto myself. This is all from their culture of oh, yeah. the Jewish wedding. The man would go and he would build an addition onto his house. Yeah. He'd yeah. prepare a place and then bring her back. So, And you can probably find this information in several places, uh, especially any type of manners and customs type of resource. Uh, but anyway... It's awesome to hear from you. Glad that you uh, kept our our voicemail box from being thanks, dude. So dry. Go Navy. Yes. Beat Army. <laughs> All right, let's check out our next one. Hey, it's Meredith. Um, I just wanted to say that I was glad to hear y'all are back on the air again, and um, I really enjoyed the one about the fate of the apostles it was very um faith affirming just to see you know how they lived after they saw jesus resurrected and um but i want to add just an extra layer to that and why it is makes it so believable that christ really was resurrected and to me what happened to them is the biggest argument for his resurrection because they were so willing to die for the cause of the gospel. And um, from what I understand, one of the greatest arguments against Christianity is that they just fabricated the story of his resurrection. But um, the truth is that if they knew that they had lied. I mean, if they had lied about his resurrection, there's no way they would have died for that lie. So um, to me, that's the biggest thing, that they knew it was the truth, and that's why they were so willing to die. And it it wasn't a lie, because when it came right down down to it, if they knew it was all fake, they would have all bailed. So um, thanks for doing that. I thought it was really great, and um, my favorite story was the one about Andrew and what he said when he went to his execution and in fact I feel like it deserves a second reading I just loved um, what they said about him I think you said it was from Fox's book of martyrs Andrew going toward the place of execution and seeing the cross waiting for him never changed his expression Neither did he fail in his speech. His body fainted not, nor did his reason fail him, as often happens to men about to die. He said, O cross, most welcome and longed for, with a willing mind, joyfully and desirously I come to you, being the scholar of him which did hang on you, because I have always been your lover and yearned to embrace you. That is so fantastic. That is just the most wonderful picture of a follower of Christ. And I pray that we would all love Jesus and love the cross that much. So thanks, guys. And I'm looking forward to more podcasts. 
awesomeness. Amen. That's awesome. So, Thank you, Mayor. Yeah. So that's uh, um, in reference to that. We enjoyed that podcast. I did anyway. Yeah, that was, that was one of my favorites. That was awesome. And I that is also one of my favorite stories that we mm-hmm. uh, talked about. And it, it is from the Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, which, again, I know I've said this before, <gasps> but if you have never read that book, you you owe it to yourself to read that book. Yeah. It, it is it's a quick read. It's an easy read, but it's... I say it's an easy read. It's a hard read because of the content. Yep. Um, it, it'll break your heart. But at the same time... It's powerful. Yes. It will It will fill you with uh, with faith. You'll be ready to charge hell with a water pistol, right? Yeah, or at least charge a lion head on. That's right. <laughs> right? Uh, it reminded me of... Uh, I thought about this. There was, uh, Jonah 33 did a song uh, years ago. Um, called uh, Faith Like That. And in it, he talks about, uh, I read about the martyrs, and I read about Christians of days of old and and how they suffered for you and how they went through all this because of their great faith. And he declares in the song, I want a faith like that. I want to be able to, to have that on my resume to... Uh, to, to one day be able to say something as beautiful as Andrew said. Yeah. That was so poetic, and it's like you're going to the cross. Mm. You're about to suffer like none, like the most horrific thing imaginable. And he embraced, embraced it with, uh, with love because of what happened on that cross before. So awesome. Amen. All right. So that is all of our feedback, I think. Let me, let me jump over here and make sure we don't have uh something i might have missed nope that looks like it awesome well keep giving us feedback guys we love to hear from you and uh keep uh letting us know how you're loving uh theonauts hopefully we will keep up this sunday night tradition and yes. start hitting them every sunday night that's what our plan is just yeah so we're know. hoping that this will be able to give us a little more stability yes in our schedule so pray for us Please do on that because we. It's not that we don't want you. <laughs> it's just that everything else, we get oppressed, man. <laughs> it's, it's a demons that flaming. Could it be Satan? <laughs> Every time you spoon into a bowl of lucky charms. <laughs> All right, let's close. I'm it. still looking for my buttons. Okay, here we go. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for more show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us an email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line like we just had. Like yeah. We need more of that. 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. If you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. All right, God bless. 
This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTnetwork.com. They're possibly cloning an army of giant Al-Qaeda guys. Uh...